Welcome back, everyone, to A Pretty Good Mystery, here at 1001 Stories for the Road, with Agatha Christie's The Mystery of the Blue Train, today, chapters 16 and 17. Beginning with chapter 16, Poirot discusses the case. Everybody looked respectfully at Poirot. Undoubtedly, the little man had scored heavily. The commissary laughed on a rather hollow note. "'You teach us all our business!' he cried. "'Your Sir Poirot knows more than the police.' Poirot gazed complacently at the ceiling, adopting a mock, modest air. "'What will you? It is my little hobby,' he murmured. "'To know things. Naturally, I have the time to indulge it. I am not overburdened with affairs.' "'Ah!' said the commissary, shaking his head portentously. "'As for me!' He made an exaggerated gesture to represent the cares that lay on his shoulders. Poirot turned suddenly to Van Alden. "'You agree, monsieur, with this view? You feel certain that the Comte de la Roche is the murderer?' "'Why, it would seem so, yes. Certain.' Something guarded in the answer made the examining magistrate look at the American curiously. Van Alden seemed aware of his scrutiny and made an effort as though to shake off some preoccupation. "'What about my son-in-law?' he asked. "'You have acquainted him with the news? He's in Nice, I understand.' "'Certainly, monsieur,' the commissary hesitated and then murmured very discreetly, "'You are doubtless aware, monsieur Van Alden,' "'that Monsieur Kettering was also one of the passengers "'on the blue train that night?' "'The millionaire nodded. "'Heard it just before I left London,' "'he vouchsafed laconically. Uh, "'He tells us,' continued the commissary, "'that he had no idea his wife was traveling on the train.' "'I bet he hadn't,' said Van Alden grimly. "'It would have been rather a nasty shock to him "'if he'd come across her on it.' "'The three men looked at him questioningly. "'I'm not going to mince matters,' said Van Alden savagely. "'No one knows what my poor girl has had to put up with. "'Derek Kettering wasn't alone. "'He had a lady with him.' "'Ah?' "'Yes, Morel, the dancer.' Monsieur Courage and the commissary looked at each other and nodded as though confirming some previous conversation. Monsieur Courage leaned back in his chair, joined his hands, and fixed his eyes on the ceiling. Ah, he murmured again. One wondered. He coughed. One has heard rumors. The lady, said Monsieur Caw, is very notorious. And also murmured Poirot softly. Very expensive. Van Alden had gone very red in the face. He leant forward and hit the table a bang with his fist. See here, he cried. My son-in-law is a damned scoundrel. He glared at them, looking from one face to another. Oh, I know, he went on. Good looks and a charming, easy manner. It took me in once upon a time. "'I suppose he pretended to be broken-hearted "'when you broke the news to him. "'That is, if he didn't know it already. "'Oh, it came as a complete surprise to him. "'He was overwhelmed.' "'Darn young hypocrite,' said Van Alden. "'Simulated great grief, I suppose.' "'No,' said the commissary cautiously. 
"'I would not quite say that. "'Eh, Monsieur Carrez?' "'The magistrate brought the tips of his fingers together "'and half closed his eyes. "'Shock, bewilderment, horror, these things, yes,' "'he declared judicially. "'Great sorrow? No. I wouldn't say that.' Poro spoke once more. "'Permit me to ask, Monsieur Van Alden, "'does Monsieur Catherine benefit by death of his wife?' "'Yes, he benefits to the tune of a couple of millions,' said Van Alden. "'The dollars? Pounds. I settled that sum on Ruth absolutely on her marriage. She made no will and leaves no children, so the money will go to her husband.' "'Whom she was on the point of divorcing,' murmured Poirot. "'Ah, yes. Precisely meant.' The commissary turned and looked sharply at him. "'Do you mean?' he began. "'I mean nothing,' said Poirot. "'I arranged the fact. That is all.' Van Alden stared at him with awakening interest. The little man rose to his feet. "'I do not think I can be of any further service to you, Monsieur le Juge,' he said politely, bowing to Monsieur Carrez. "'Are you keep me informed of the course of events?' "'It will be a kindness.' Uh, "'But certainly, most certainly.' Van Alden rose also. "'You don't want me any more at present?' "'No, monsieur. "'We have all the information we need for the moment.' "'Then I will walk a little way with Monsieur Boirot, "'that is, if he doesn't object.' "'Enchanted, monsieur,' said the little man, with a bow. Van Alden lighted a large cigar, having offered one to Poirot, who declined it, and lit one of his own tiny cigarettes. A man of great strength of character, Van Alden already appeared to be his everyday, normal self once more. After strolling along for a minute or two in silence, the millionaire finally spoke. "'I take it, Monsieur Poirot, that you no longer exercise your profession?' "'That is so, Monsieur. I enjoy the world.' "'Yet you are assisting the police in this affair.' "'Monsieur, if a doctor walks along the street "'and an accident happens, does he say, "'I have retired from my profession, I will continue my walk, "'when there is someone bleeding to death at his feet? "'If I had been already in Nice "'and the police had sent to me and asked me to assist them, "'I should have refused. "'But this affair the good God thrusted upon me.' "'You were on the spot,' said Van Alden, thoughtfully. "'You examined the compartment, did you not?' Poirot nodded. "'Doubtless you found things that were, shall we say, suggestive to you?' "'Perhaps,' said Poirot. "'I hope you see what I am leading up to,' said Van Alden. "'It seems to me that the case against this Comte de la Roche is perfectly clear, but I am not a fool.' I have been watching you for this last hour or so, and I realize that for some reason of your own, you don't agree with that theory. Poirot shrugged his shoulders. I may be wrong. So we come to the favor I want to ask of you. Will you act in this matter for me? Uh, for you, personally? That was my meaning, yes. Poirot was silent for a moment or two. Then he said, 
"'You realize what you are asking?' "'I think so,' said Van Alden. "'Very well,' said Poirot. "'I accept. "'But in that case, I must have frank answers to my questions.' Mm, "'Certainly. That's understood.' Poirot's manner changed. He became suddenly brusque and businesslike. "'This question of a divorce,' he said, "'it was you who advised your daughter to bring the suit?' "'Yes.' "'When?' "'About ten days ago. "'I'd had a letter from her complaining of her husband's behavior, "'and I put it to her very strongly that divorce was the only remedy.' "'In what way did she complain of his behavior? "'He was being seen about with a very notorious lady, "'the one we've been speaking of, Morel. Uh, "'The dancer. Aha! "'And Madame Catherine objected? "'Was she very devoted to her husband?' "'I wouldn't say that,' said Van Alden, hesitating a little. "'It was not her heart that suffered. "'It was her pride. "'Is that what you would say?' "'Yes, I suppose you could put it like that. "'I gathered that the marriage had not been a happy one from the beginning.' "'Dare Kettering is rotten to the core,' said Van Alden. "'He is incapable of making any woman happy. Uh, "'He is, as you say in England, a bad lot. Is that right?' Van Alden nodded. "'Très bien. You advise Madame to seek a divorce. She agrees.' You consult your solicitors. When does Monsieur Catherine get news of what is in the wind? I sent for him myself and explained the course of action I proposed to take. And what did he say? murmured Poirot softly. Van Alden's face darkened at the remembrance. He was infernally impudent. Excuse the question, Monsieur, but did he refer himself? "'To Le Comte de la Roche?' "'Not by name,' growled the other unwillingly. "'But he showed himself aware that the affair was going on. "'What, if I may ask, was Monsieur Catherine's financial position at the time?' "'How do you suppose I should know that?' asked Van Alden, after a very brief hesitation. "'It seemed likely to me that you would inform yourself on that point.' "'Well, you are right. I did. I discovered that Kettering was on the rocks. "'And now he has inherited two million pounds. "'Ma foi, it is a strange thing, is it not?' "'Van Alden looked at him sharply. "'What do you mean?' "'I moralize,' said Borrow. "'I reflect. I speak the philosophy. "'But to return to where we were. Surely, Monsieur Catherine did not propose to allow himself to be divorced without making a fight for it? Van Alden did not answer for a minute or two. Then he said, I don't exactly know what his intentions were. Did you hold any further communications with him? After a slight pause, then Van Alden said, No. Poirot stopped dead, took off his hat, "'and held out his hand. "'I must wish you good day, monsieur. "'I can do nothing for you.' "'What are you getting at?' "'demanded Van Alden, angrily. "'If you do not tell me the truth, "'I can do nothing for you.' 
I don't know what you mean. I think you do. You may rest assured, Monsieur Renaldon, that I know how to be discreet. <sighs> Very well, then, said the millionaire. I'll admit that I was not speaking the truth just now. I did have further communications with my son-in-law. Yes? To be exact, I sent my secretary, Major Knighton, to see him, with instructions to offer him the sum of 100,000 pounds in cash if the divorce went through undefended. A pretty sum of money, said Poirot, appreciatively. And the answer of monsieur, your son-in-law? He sent back word that I could go to hell, replied the millionaire succinctly. Ah, said Poirot. He betrayed no emotion of any kind. At the moment, he was engaged in methodically recording facts. Monsieur Catherine has told the police that he neither saw nor spoke to his wife on the journey from England. Are you inclined to believe that statement, monsieur? Yes, I am, said Ben Alden. He would take particular pains to keep out of her way, I should say. Why? Because he had got that woman with him. Mirel? Yes. How did you come to know that fact? A man of mine, who might put on the train to watch him, reported to me that they had both left by that train. I see, said Poirot. In that case, as you said before, he would not be likely to attempt to hold any communication with Madame Catherine. The little man fell silent for some time. Ben Alden did not interrupt his meditation. We'll return with Chapter 17 right after these sponsor messages. And now Chapter 17, An Aristocratic Gentleman. You have been to the Riviera before, Georges, said Poirot to his valet the following morning. George was an intensely English, rather wooden-faced individual. Yes, sir. I was here two years ago when I was in the service of Lord Edward Frampton. And today, murmured his master, you are here with Hercule Poirot. How one mounts in the world. The valet made no reply to this observation. After a suitable pause, he asked, The brown lounge suit, sir. The wind is somewhat chilly today. There is a grease spot on the waistcoat, objected Poirot. A morsel of filet de sole a la Jeannette slighted there when I was launching at the Ritz last Tuesday. There is no spot there now, sir, said George reproachfully. I have removed it. Très bien, said Poirot. I am pleased with you, Georges. Thank you, sir. There was a pause, and then Poirot murmured dreamily, "'Supposing, my good Georges, "'that you had been born in the same social sphere "'as your late master, Lord Edward Frampton, "'and that, penniless yourself, "'you had married an extremely wealthy wife, "'but that the wife proposed to divorce you "'with excellent reasons, "'what would you do about it?' "'I should endeavor, sir,' replied George, "'to make her change her mind. "'By peaceful?' or by forcible methods. 
George looked shocked. "'You'll excuse me, sir,' he said, "'but a gentleman of the aristocracy would not behave like a Whitechapel coster. He would not do anything low.' "'Would he not, Georges? I wonder now. Perhaps you are right.' There was a knock on the door. George went to it and opened it a discreet inch or two. A low-murmured colloquy went on, and then the valet returned to Poirot. "'A note, sir.' Poirot took it. It was from Monsieur Call, the commissary of police. "'We are about to interrogate the Comte de la Roche. The judge, the instruction, begs that you will be present.' "'Quickly, my suit, Georges. I must hasten myself.' A quarter of an hour later, spick and span in his brown suit, Poirot entered the examining magistrate's room. Monsieur Call was already there, and both he and Monsieur Carrez greeted Poirot with polite impressment. "'The affair is somewhat discouraging,' murmured Monsieur Call. "'It appears that the Comte arrived in Nice the day before the murder.' "'If that is true, it will settle your affair nicely for you,' responded Poirot. Monsieur Carrez cleared his throat. "'We must not accept this alibi without very cautious inquiry,' he declared. He struck the bell upon the table with his hand. In another minute a tall, dark man, exquisitely dressed, with a somewhat haughty cast of countenance, entered the room. So very aristocratic-looking was the Count, that it would have seemed sheer heresy even to whisper that his father had been an obscure corn-chandler in Nott, which, as a matter of fact, was the case. Looking at him, one would have been prepared to swear that innumerable ancestors of his must have perished by the guillotine in the French Revolution. "'I am here, gentlemen,' said the Count, haughtily. "'May I ask why you wish to see me?' "'Pray be seated, Monsieur le Comte,' said the examining magistrate politely. "'It is the affair of the death of Madame Kettering that we are investigating.' "'The death of Madame Kettering? "'I do not understand.' "'You were, ahem, acquainted with the lady, I believe, Monsieur le Comte. "'Certainly I was acquainted with her. "'What has that to do with the matter?' "'Sticking an eyeglass in his eye, he looked coldly round the room, "'his glance resting longest on Poirot, "'who was gazing at him with a kind of simple, innocent admiration "'which was most pleasing to the Count's vanity.' Monsieur Carrez leaned back in his chair and cleared his throat. "'You do not perhaps know, Monsieur le Comte,' he paused, "'that Madame Kettering was murdered?' "'Murdered! Mon Dieu! How terrible!' The surprise and the sorrow were excellently done, so well done, indeed, as to seem wholly natural. "'Madame Kettering was strangled between Paris and Lyon,' "'continued Monsieur Carrez, "'and her jewels were stolen. "'It is iniquitous,' "'cried the Count warmly. "'The police should do something "'about these train bandits. "'Nowadays no one is safe.' "'In Madame's handbag,' "'continued the judge, "'we found a letter to her from you. "'She had, it seemed, "'arranged to meet you.' "'The Count shrugged his shoulders "'and spread out his hands.' "'Of what use are concealments?' he said frankly. "'We are all men of the world, privately, and between ourselves. "'I admit the affair.' 
"'You met her in Paris and travelled down with her, I believe,' said Monsieur Courage. "'That was the original arrangement, but by Madame's wish it was changed. I was to meet her at here.' "'You did not meet her on the train at the Gare de Lyon on the evening of the 14th? "'On the contrary, I arrived in Nice on the morning of that day, "'so what you suggest is impossible.' "'Quite so, quite so,' said Monsieur Courage. "'As a matter of fact, you would perhaps give me an account "'of your movements during the evening and night of the 14th.' "'The Count reflected for a minute.' I dined in Monte Carlo at the Café de Paris. Afterwards I went to the Le Sporting. I won a few thousand francs. He shrugged his shoulders. I returned home at perhaps one o'clock. Pardon me, monsieur, but how did you return home? In my own two-seater car. No one was with you? No one. You could produce witnesses in support of this statement? "'Doubtless many of my friends saw me there that evening. "'I dined alone. "'Your servant admitted you on your return to your villa? "'I let myself in with my own latchkey. "'Ah,' murmured the magistrate. "'Again he struck the bell on the table with his hand. "'The door opened and a messenger appeared. "'Bring in the maid, Mason,' said Monsieur Courage. "'Very good, Monsieur Le Judge.' Ada Mason was brought in. "'Will you be so good, mademoiselle, as to look at this gentleman? To the best of your ability, was it he who entered your mistress's compartment in Paris?' The woman looked long and searchingly at the Count, who was, Poirot fancied, rather uneasy under this scrutiny. "'I could not say, sir, I am sure,' said Mason at last. "'It might be, and again it might not.' "'Seen as how I only saw his back, it's hard to say. "'I rather think it was the gentleman.' "'But you are not sure?' "'No,' said Mason, unwillingly. "'No, I am not sure.' "'You have seen this gentleman before, in Curzon Street?' "'Mason shook her head. "'I should not be likely to see any visitors that come to Curzon Street,' "'she explained, unless—' "'They were staying in the house.' "'Very well, that will do,' said the examining magistrate sharply. "'Evidently he was disappointed. "'One moment,' said Poirot. "'There is a question I would like to put to Mademoiselle, if I may.' "'Certainly, Monsieur Poirot, certainly, by all means.' "'Poirot addressed himself to the maid. "'What happened to the tickets?' "'The tickets, sir?' "'Yes, the tickets from London to Nice. "'Did you or your mistress have them?' "'The mistress had her own Pullman ticket, sir. "'The others were in my charge.' "'What happened to them?' "'I gave them to the conductor on the French train, sir. "'He said it was usual. "'I hope I did right, sir.' "'Oh, quite right, quite right. "'A mere matter of detail.' Both Monsieur Call and the examining magistrate looked at him curiously. Mason stood uncertainly for a moment or two, and then the magistrate gave her a brief nod of dismissal, and she went out. Poirot scribbled something on a scrap of paper and handed it across to Monsieur Courage. The latter read it, and his brow cleared. "'Well, gentlemen,' 
demanded the Count haughtily. Am I to be declined further? Assuredly not, Monsieur Courage hastened to say, with a great deal of amiability. Everything is now cleared up as regards to your own position in this affair. Naturally, in view of Madame's letter, we were bound to question you. The Count rose, picked up his handsome stick from the corner, and with rather a curt bow, left the room. "'And that is that,' said Monsieur Courage. "'You are quite right, Monsieur Poirot. "'Much better to let him feel he is not suspected. Two of my men will shadow him night and day, "'and at the same time we will go into the question of the alibi. "'It seems to me rather, rather a fluid one.' "'Possibly,' agreed Poirot thoughtfully. "'I asked Monsieur Kettering to come here this morning,' "'continued the magistrate.' "'though really I doubt if we have much to ask him. "'But there are one or two suspicious circumstances.' "'He paused, rubbing his nose. "'Such as?' asked Poirot. "'Well?' the magistrate coughed. "'This lady, with whom he is said to be travelling, "'Mademoiselle Morel, "'she is staying at one hotel, and he at another. "'That strikes me as rather odd.' "'It looks—' "'said Monsieur Caw, as though they were being careful. "'Exactly,' said Monsieur Courage triumphantly. "'And what should they have to be careful about?' "'An excess of caution is suspicious, eh?' said Poirot. "'Precisement.' "'We might, I think,' murmured Poirot. "'Ask Monsieur Catherine one or two questions.' The magistrate gave instructions. A moment or two later, Derek Kettering, debonair as ever, entered the room. "'Good morning, monsieur,' said the judge politely. "'Good morning,' said Derek Kettering, curtly. "'You sent for me. Has anything fresh turned up?' "'Pray, sit down, monsieur.' Derek took a seat and flung his hat and stick on the table. "'Well?' he asked impatiently. "'We have, so far, no fresh data,' said Monsieur Courage cautiously. "'Oh, that's very interesting,' said Derek, dryly. "'Did you get me here in order to tell me that?' "'We naturally thought, Monsieur, that you would like to be informed of the progress of the case,' said the magistrate severely, "'even if the progress was non-existent. "'We also wish to ask you a few questions.' "'Ask away.' "'You are quite sure that you neither saw nor spoke with your wife on the train?' "'I've answered that already. I did not.' "'You had, no doubt, your reasons.' "'Derek stared at him suspiciously. "'I did not know she was on the train,' he explained, "'spacing his words elaborately, as though to someone dull of intellect.' "'That is what you say, yes,' murmured Monsieur Courage. A frown suffused Derek's face. "'I should like to know what you're driving at. "'Do you know what I think, Monsieur Courage?' "'What do you think, Monsieur?' "'I think the French police are vastly overrated. "'Surely you must have some data as to these gangs of train robbers. "'It's outrageous that such a thing could happen on a train deluxe like that. 
"'and that the French police should be helpless to deal with the matter.' "'We are dealing with it, monsieur. Never fear. Uh, "'Madame Catherine, I understand, did not leave a will,' interposed Poirot suddenly. "'His fingertips were joined together, and he was looking intently at the ceiling. "'I don't think she ever made one,' said Catherine. "'Why?' "'It is a very pretty little fortune that you inherit there,' said Poirot. "'A very pretty little fortune.' Although his eyes were still on the ceiling, he managed to see the dark flush that rose to Derek Kettering's face. "'What do you mean? And who are you?' Poirot gently uncrossed his knees, withdrew his gaze from the ceiling, and looked the young man full in the face. "'My name is Hercule Poirot,' he said quietly, "'and I am probably the greatest detective in the world. You are quite sure that you did not see "'Or speak to your wife on that train? "'What are you getting at? "'Do, do, you, mean to inis- do you mean to insinuate that I killed her?' "'Ha! "'I mustn't lose my temper. "'It's too palpably absurd. "'Why, if I killed her, "'I should have no need to steal her jewels, would I?' "'That is true,' murmured Poirot, "'with a rather crestfallen air. "'I did not think of that. "'If ever there were a clear case of murder and robbery, this is it,' said Derek Kettering. "'Poor Ruth! It was those damned rubies did it for her. "'It must have got about she had them with her. "'There's been murder done for those same stones before now, I believe.' Poirot sat up suddenly in his chair. A very faint green light glowed in his eyes. He looked extraordinarily like a sleek, well-fed cat. "'One more question,' "'Monsieur Catherine,' he said, "'will you give me the date when you last saw your wife?' "'Well, let me see,' Catherine reflected. "'It must have been, yes, over three weeks ago. "'I'm afraid I can't give you the date exactly.' "'No matter,' said Poirot dryly. "'That is all I want to know.' "'Well,' said Catherine impatiently, "'Anything further?' "'He looked towards Monsieur Carrez. "'The latter sought inspiration from Poirot "'and received it in a very faint shake of the head. "'No, Monsieur Catherine,' he said politely. "'No, I do not think we need trouble you any further. "'I wish you good morning.' "'Catherine went out, banging the door behind him. "'Poirot leaned forward and spoke sharply "'as soon as the young man was out of the room. "'Tell me,' he said peremptorily, "'When did you speak of these rubies to Monsieur Catherine?' "'I have not spoken of them,' said Monsieur Carrez. "'It was only yesterday afternoon that we learned about them from Monsieur Van Alden.' "'Yes, but there was a mention of them in the Comte's letter.' Monsieur Carrez looked pained. "'Naturally, I did not speak of that letter to Monsieur Catherine,' he said in a shocked voice. "'it would have been most indiscreet "'at the present juncture of affairs.' "'Poirot leaned forward and tapped the table. "'Then how did he know about them?' "'He demanded softly. "'Madame could not have told him, "'but he has not seen her for three weeks. "'It seems unlikely "'that either Monsieur Van Alden "'or his secretary would have mentioned them. "'Their interviews with him "'have been on entirely different lines, 
and there has not been any hint of reference to them in the newspapers. He got up and took his hat and stick. And yet, he murmured to himself, our gentleman knows all about them. I wonder now. Yes, I wonder. Join us next week for chapters 18 and 19 of The Mystery of the Blue Train by Agatha Christie. Hope you're enjoying our story. And if you are, please take a moment and send us a review at 1001 Stories for the Road. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon.